the optimal life. Well, listen, uh, welcome, welcome. I, I usually don't like interviewing uh, Michigan Wolverines fans, so this is a <laughs> unique. Although I did interview Jordan Harbinger, who has his own podcast, and he is a University of Michigan graduate, so I guess there are, there's always exceptions to the rule, Belinda. There you go. Yes, absolutely. It's just that time of the year, right? We're, we're more mindful of it. <laughs> that's correct. Right. After football season, we'll forget about it. We'll be friends again. It's all yeah, good. that's right. It's all good. Uh, work from your happy place. So you look like you're working from a pretty happy place based on that background there. Yeah, I got to be super honest and transparent with everybody. This is uh, one of my green screens that I use for my office and for recording. And because I just really want um, good lighting and good background. And so we uh, try to pick ones that aren't, um, that look as real as absolute possible. So just for anybody listening, that's doing that. It's, um, it's important to pick ones that it looks like you would be actually fitting into that room and, and not like I'm on a beach and I've got crazy palm trees rustling. It fits fits the brand. There's no doubt about it. It looks good. It looks really good. The most important question I have for you, besides everything that you've done and all the successes you've had, I think is this. How do you raise three children to all become entrepreneurs? Wow. You know, it's um, it's interesting because I didn't I, I I guess it's just in your actions, like you're raising them. I've been really working from home and, and had my own business from before I had them. So it, it wasn't. It wasn't like so much initially that I said, okay, I'm going to raise them to be this. It was like watching, leading by example, them seeing every day, involving them in it. Like this is a family business. Like, hey, I need I need you guys to pitch in. You're going to need to help. Um, and then they would be, I have two older kids that are like 37 and 39 right now. And they were always like in high school, like, hey, we want to, we want to try this or we want to do this. I always encouraged it. And then I always helped give them ideas on marketing their, you know, idea of whatever they were going to sell or what they were going to try to make or create. And um, they're both pretty creative kids. And and I just really was encouraging in that and always giving them advice. And then they've gone on later to be in sales and do incredible. My son owns his own um, Medicare business now, Medicare supplemental insurance business. And he's just done incredible and a lot of it is because of customer service. They've also seen me provide exemplary customer service. And that's what makes him stand out when there's so many to choose from is his clients love him because they, I've told him you need to develop a relationship with them because somebody else comes along and says, oh, insurance, here you go. And they'll switch because their nephew is now selling it unless they have a really solid relationship with you. And that's exactly what he's created. And then my other daughter, who's 19, um, she's been acting since she was five. And um, and she's just learned that it isn't just the craft or profession. She's really learned. I teach this whole thing to especially artists, but business owners, like there's three sides to excellence and it's mastering your craft. And then it's... Um, your work ethic, and then it is networking with others. And a lot of people have one of the three, or they might have two of the three, especially artists, um, but they don't 
they don't have all three. And she's really learned that from a very young age. We've done this big triangle on a wall and you got to have all three. And she's learned how to network at being 10. I'm not even exaggerating. Mm. She's masterful at it. And, um, and that's what's made all three of them really super successful. I think her real success will come, you know, after she gets out of college and starts being that professionally, but she's already been paid professionally for work since she's been like 10. So what was that experience like for you, Belinda? You had a 20 year old and an 18 year old, and then you started over with a daughter all those years (laughs) later. Wow. This brings up a really, really great, um, interesting story. If you want me to share, it's kind of a really personal story, but so I got remarried and my husband didn't have any children. And so um, you know, I'm now, you know, uh, I'll be super honest. I'm 43 years old and it's like, oh my gosh, I got to start all over and I'm going to be having a baby. And my kids are just graduating. The one's graduating high school. The other one's in college. And, um, and so I really struggled and I knew that that was part of my marrying him was I knew he wanted to have a child. And so I really questioned, I should just, you know, one day, and this all was right after nine 11 too. And I'm like breaking down, crying, going, you need to go marry a younger woman. And like, I don't need to do this. And I don't want to break. I was like, should we even be bringing a child into this crazy world? Like it was a really tumultuous time. And then I was like, I'm too old. I'm too old to start over with this. And, um, I happened to get on a call with a client and she was like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Can I put you on hold for just a second? Um, I, I am my daughter, my grand, I take care of my granddaughter. I'm her guardian. And, um, and I was like, and I knew she was older than I am. And I said, Oh my gosh, what's that been like? And she said, it's, it's been wonderful. And I've had, I was forced into it because my daughter had some issues and now I'm the caretaker and I'm just I'm doing it. You just do it. You just jump in and you do it. And uh, so I was like, okay, I can do this. But my, my point here for this audience is oftentimes in life, your greatest struggle and your greatest dilemmas deliver your greatest amount of joy because choosing to have her has been the absolute greatest decision and joy of my entire life. I can't even imagine my life and what it would be like. It's been enriched in a way that is, I can't even talk about and Like I can't even explain. And to think that I was willing to be worried about my age or how hard it was going to be or starting over. And we forget about, we look at that stuff and we focus on that stuff and we don't focus on like, but what joy could it bring? What, what's the good things it could bring? How it's keeping me younger, how it's like creating a whole new um, group of friends that we would have never had. Like it's the, the measurement of it goes beyond just how much I love my daughter. It's incredible actually. Wow. That's, that's beautiful stuff. That's really powerful. I see you getting a little choked up even talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I know because I can't even like I think, and I, I other people will say, I don't know what to do. Like some people do the same thing about going back to school. I'll be going back to school and I'm 50 years old. You're going to be 50 no matter what. <laughs> and so it's like, if this is a dream or if this is something you want to do and think of what's going to happen when you do go, yeah, it's going to be hard for four years, probably harder than anything you've done in a hot minute. But like, what's the reward that's going to come after? 
Um, and, and we don't focus on that reward as much as we do how hard it's going to be. I think everybody gets so focused in on the struggle, the hard, what's going to happen? What will happen if I do this? Well, what will happen if it turns out great? Mm. What happens if you do do it? And it's amazing. Yeah. You look back to that time. We're so selfish as humans, naturally by default in many ways. I, I want my time for me. I don't want to deal with diapers. I don't want the baby, the sleepless nights. The I, I've gone through the same thing, Belinda. I I have a um I divorced, and we're my fiance and I are expecting a baby now, and you know I have three daughters, and it beginning was oh gosh, is this what am I? What, this is going to be. I'm not sure I want to do this. And now I haven't even had the baby yet. And I can't tell you how excited I am um, now that we're getting close. I can't tell you how excited I am. And I know it will be the most rewarding thing in the world. And like you said, looking back, you would you you would say you, you almost get upset with yourself. I can't believe I was going to give this up. Exactly. Like, right. exactly. And think about the people along the journey that do give up those opportunities and what could have actually been. So congratulations. That's exciting time. Thank so, you so much. Thank you. Yeah. I might have to put my fiance in touch with you. Work from your happy place. We might need to find some new happy places too, you know, <laughs> just kind of change it up a little bit. Absolutely. Talk to us about this this business, that, that consultancy or whatever you want to call this that you've created. Work from your happy place. Uh, how did it form and evolve? Because I know you were in business and I know you've done a lot mm -hmm. of things when it's come to business and sales. How did you go from that to this work from your happy place? Okay. So I, I have, I've been a sales trainer and speaker, motivational speaker and sales trainer for many organizations for gosh, you know, 28 years now. And so that's what I did. And that's what I was really focused on. And, and it, a lot of it was in a very specific niche market, but then my husband was like, you need to do a podcast. This was about six years ago, seven. And I was like, I don't want to do a podcast. Like, honest to goodness, I do not. And he was like, you really need to. And I just didn't want it to be about the same thing it had always been and everything I'd always trained. So I'm like, okay, what am I going to call it? What am I going to call it? And so I really sat down and, and um, I'm really, I think I'm very good at helping people and companies choose company names. Um, that really speak for what it is without people having to think too much or dig too much. I, I get frustrated with people when they do crazy spellings of their name and then people like they'll never be able to Google you and find you. Are you nuts? So I kind of, I kind of co coached that anyway. So I really sat down on paper and I wrote out like what was important to me or what I thought that was important to people. And I do think that People want to love what they do. When you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. And I think that's the beginning of working from your happy place. Like if you really love what you do, it won't feel like work. What I've learned over the years of doing this podcast is it's more than that. It evolves the longer you've been doing it and the way that you feel about what that means to you. But that was how it started is loving what you do. And so we thought we'll interview um, entrepreneurs and business owners, and then we'll interview we then later added artists to it because I love the whole artist world and I'm kind of immersed in it pretty heavy duty. So it's like, okay. And the reason we did that is because the entrepreneurs are, are very, you know, um, systematic. They're very business oriented. They're very skill set minded. And I found that our artists 
we're very creative, you know, that whole left brain, right brain, they're very, um, they are very nurturing, they build relationships, but they have a hard time with the business aspect of it. So I thought, if I'm doing these interviews, and the one could learn from the other, then it'll be like, they'll all be learning the skill sets and the mindset, they'll be learning all of it, right? Because all of it requires having a successful and happy, um, fulfilling business. So that's kind of where it started. And then the podcast really started to take off. And then um, it, it grew. And then I was like, okay, I haven't monetized this podcast. We really need to create a brand around the podcast instead of just Belinda Ellsworth sales strategist for, you know, 28 years. And so in the last year and a half, we really have evolved that brand. Um, I, I've sold a planner and gratitude journal and such for the last seven years, but this year we completely revamped it. It's now called the Everyday Entrepreneur Planner, and it's really in line with uh, work from your happy place. And we're really excited about it. Uh, this is it right here. It's on it sale right now. And it's probably the most comprehensive planner that anybody would have for business and for life. So, what, what makes it comprehensive? Well, it's laid out in a very strategic way. So I've taken everything that I've ever learned in sales and put it in there. Like, you know, three parts of setting a goal. It's like you first have to have vision. Then you actually have to have your benchmarks. Then you have to have your plan of action. So the planner starts out like that for the year. Then it breaks it down to quarterly. Then it breaks it down to monthly. And then we have analytics every month so that you can actually learn what's being successful and what did I do this time last year? Because I find that 80% of people don't do anything with analytics. And so we're kind of helping them to see this is important and here's why. And then we've got your month at a glance calendars. We redid our week at a glance this year, which I'm super excited about. We, we really, I spent about gosh, five months playing on paper with it. And so it's got the work week, Monday through Thursday, and then the weekend but it's like got places more for follow-up. It's got your three connect calls a day. Who are the three key new connects or old connects like that you want to make a day? If people can focus on just connecting with three people a day, their business will grow. Mm. Um, but they don't. They get wrapped up in busy work. And busy work isn't productive work. So the planner really leads them to be more productive instead of just busy. It teaches them time batching, time scheduling, um, blocking, time blocking and time batching. And then... The other big thing is I have 26 videos embedded into this planner. So 14 are how to use it. And then once a month, I do an inspirational, motivational, timely. Like I don't do them till like the month before. Like here's what you should be focusing on in January. Here's what you should be focusing on in March. Um, and most of it is around a sales cycle, um, but it's seasonal. And so mm. we're giving people inspiration and like ideas on how to move their business forward in those particular months. So there's 26. That's, that's fascinating. You mentioned vision benchmarks and plan of action. Yes. So give us an example of something that comes to mind just so people could understand how, how that's broken down. Absolutely. So I've been teaching goal setting. Like that's been one of my big things forever. So if you ask people today, and I've done this on stage before COVID, really, like I did it eight times a month and whatever audiences, thousands of people, but like, how many of you have a goal written down in, a, in where you can see it? And so what I have found is that's in the last 20 years, that has shrunk. It used to be like, 
25% of an audience would raise their hand. Well, it's down to like 8% of people set any goals for themselves whatsoever, which is alarming. And the number one reason is they don't want to fail. It's fear of failure. Well, if I, if I don't ever write, say, put the goal out there, then, then I haven't failed. Mm. And so in reality, people give too much power to just a goal. Okay. So what I mean by that is, first of all, you have to figure out, okay, why do I want it? So let's say your goal is to sell, you know, $4,000 a month or $20,000 a month. We can even do $20,000 a month. That's how much in sales I want to have. So, okay. The first thing you got to figure out is why? If you really sold $20,000 a month of whatever, or your business did, then what would that do for you? How would that enrich your life? What is it that you're really striving for? First, what income would that create? And for a lot of people, the best place to start really is what's your income goal? Because if you figure out your income goal, then you're like, okay, here's my sales goal. Then you have to go, why do I want it? And here's why. Because everybody, if they start start striving for that goal, you're going to have ups, downs, twists, turns. You're going to come short. You might not hit the mark, whatever. I don't care who you are. That's going to happen to you. And so if you don't have a strong why, the minute you don't hit one of your marks, you're like, ah, screw it. Like, I didn't really want this anyway. Or it doesn't really, what does it really matter? Well, it matters if you are trying to get in a new home. It matters if you're trying to remodel your house. It matters if you're trying to take your kids to Disney World. It matters if you are trying to put away retirement or college fund. It matters And then you go, I came pretty darn close. Suddenly it's not, I missed the mark. It's like, I came pretty darn close and I'm this much closer to us going on this Disney vacation that we want to take, right? Mm. So then you keep going and that, that that propels you forward. So that's why the vision piece of it is so important, the why you want it. Secondary to that is goals are nothing more than benchmarks. Like they're not the end all be all. So if I want to sell $20,000 a month, that's my goal now. Here's why I want it. Cause here's what I'll be able to do with that income that's generated from that. That means I need to sell $5,000 a week. Okay. Or, and so now I'm like, that becomes the, the benchmark. So we're going to break it down smaller, $5,000 a week. If I sell, if I go, wow, gosh, I only did uh, $18,000 this month but I got close. It's just a benchmark. And then it's just like, you know, it's recalculating. It's just like GPS. I use it as an analogy with GPS. We're, GPS is a smart piece of equipment. And yet we all use it every day. And yet you make wrong turns every day using it. Mm. <laughs> you miss your mark. And what's the GPS say? It doesn't say you're a loser, go home. It says recalculate, redirect, and so that's just like your goals. Like, okay, I missed the mark. I got to recalculate. I got to redirect. What, what can I change in my behavior that will take me not to just 20,000 next month, but 22 to make up for it. So that that's the third piece then is what is, this is where people just set goals and then sit back and hope it happens. And it's like, what's my plan of action? So if I want to sell $5,000 a week, what do I need to do to sell $5,000 a week? What do I need to do as my social media strategy, if that's a big piece for you? Um, What kind of customer care calls do I need to do? What kind of email marketing am I going to do? How much sales do I need per day? 
If I want to take two days off, then I need to sell $1,000 a day. How am I going to sell $1,000 a day? Now you ask yourself that question and you figure it out. That's how you can hit any goal you want to hit. Mm, beautiful, beautiful stuff. That takes the, the, it's kind of in that second and third phase where you're doing the analysis, the ana- analytics, the, uh, that's the, that's the dirty work. That's the tough, right? That's the grind yeah. where you have to go back and say, this worked, this didn't, what could I have done differently? So many times we feel like, oh, we did everything we could possibly do. Come exactly. on. I couldn't, I couldn't do any more Belinda. I did everything perfectly. And so then I'll be like, well, let's look at what you did do. And then like, I, I when I say this about 80%, I know some people listening here go, no, I'm telling a true story right now. Um, people don't like to know numbers. And here is the crazy thing. Men are more inclined to do numbers. They don't do them because they're just like, oh, like, does it really matter? Like they, they, they know them, they get, they sometimes even write them down, but then they don't use them in a way to say, how can I change my behavior? They just continue on with their same behavior. Women, on the other hand, have this weird aversion. Every woman I coach, they're like, oh, I'm just not a numbers person. You know, oh, I just don't like numbers. Well, gosh, ladies, get over it. Um, And I'm like, it's like a little coach that sits on your shoulder and whispers in your ear. Okay, like, here's what you did before. Like, what this is your, like, even with social media, like, people don't understand. Like, I was getting engagement and now I'm not. Well, how much have you grown? How many people are watching that? Well, like if you did analytics on your social media, you would say, wow, that video got, you know, one lady just said to me randomly the other day, oh, well, the one video that I did, it's gotten more views than anything else. And I go, okay, let's go look. And I'm like, well, it got 1500 views, but this video right here got 5,900 views. So that wasn't your best video. Mm. What what do you what do you make of that? Uh, speaking of social media, I'm not an expert by any means, but when you see the 5900 versus 1500, what were you able to spot? Um, there's a couple of things there. It's how well did you? I'm really big on. I, I don't. I really. Everybody's so busy. You can't count on a notifications anymore. You can't count on this algorithm. You can't count on any of that crap. If you want people to show up on social media market it. If you're going to go live at four o'clock, then for the week before, tell people you're going to be teaching this live at four o'clock at this time. And guess what? You will get a whole bunch more people that show up. That's number one. Number two, how you start that video will determine how many views you get. Mm. Because Facebook counts it as a view once it hits past so many minutes. And people spend too much time when they go live, like not jumping in. Hi, I'm Belinda. I'm so excited that you're here today in this session. We are going to cover la, 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 la. Like do your opening while that gives people a chance to get on. And then you can say, oh, gosh, I'm so excited. We've already got a few folks here. Here, if you're as you're joining me today, please tell me where you're from. Tell me what your business is. Oh, here we've got Nate. He's from from Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. Welcome, Nate. We've got this person. We got this person. We got this person. People spend their first 
30 seconds going, hi, everyone. It's Belinda. Let's just wait for a few people to jump on here. Let's see. There's Nate. Where's Nate from? Like, and so anybody going back and viewing that later is like, oh, gosh, forget that action, man. I'm out of here. And so you that was the difference between those two videos. The first one was like, okay, everyone, I've not done this before. Well, that's a whole heck of a lot of confidence. And uh, we're going to get started here in a few minutes. Gone. I'm gone. Yes. That's the difference. Uh, That's a big difference right there is what is going to cause me in 20 seconds, 30 seconds to stay on here with you and see what you've really got to say. And then the other part is letting people know because people can't, they don't, they're, the notifications are not working like they did at one time, period. They're not. You need to have that attention grabbing thing. You need to yeah. grab that attention and hold on to it because people's span spans of attention are less than a few seconds now. They, they true are. Some people will tell you six, six, six seconds, seconds or less. So you better come out with a, a big, a big bang or, or they're gone. That's exactly. great advice. That's great advice. Um, I want to shift around to a few different areas here. Uh, okay. uh, work from your happy place. So you don't have to give all the details and all the juicy secrets away. But part of your training is you talk about the top 10 sales strategies. Highlight some of those for us, you know, the ones that really stand out and come to mind. What Which ones are most important? Okay. Number one, I really do feel, I mean, it's hard for me to put them in order because like if you really <clears throat> strategically are, <clears throat> excuse me, laying them out, then they'd have to be in a different order. But if I were to really say what's well, number one of being a really good salesperson. Can I guess? Can I just interrupt you and guess? Yeah. And I could be wrong. Make friends? No. Oh, okay. But you do need to make friends. You do need to build relationships. Um, Number one is, and this is how you make good friends, be a good listener. And salespeople like to talk. You know, we're good talkers. We're good closers. We're good. Oh, my gosh. We want to tell you everything that there is to know. But at the end of the day, if you want to be a super salesperson, you better learn to be a good listener. Because in that, you like me. If I'm listening to you and you're telling me about you, you automatically like me because I've allowed that. I've asked questions. Oh, gosh. Well, that's really, that's amazing, Nate. How did you do that? And then they tell you, or where where did you two meet? Like, maybe you tell me, my wife and I, like, they come to you because maybe they need a new, I don't know, they're remodeling their bathroom and they're trying to get new whatever kitchens. And my wife and I, we've been married and uh, for 20 years and we've never gotten a new kitchen in this house and we're really excited about it. And you're like, oh, who's the cook in the house? So then they're like, oh, we kind of like to share these duties or we do it like this. And it, oh, it sounds like you guys really have a lot of fun together. Where did you meet anyway? Then they're like, oh, my God, I love this girl. Right. So then we now we get to the nitty gritty of it. This is, again, asking the questions, being a good listener. So when you're in your kitchen, what are the things that are most important to you? Let's let's design this kitchen. And it isn't about here. Let me sell you this counter. Let me sell you this floor. Let me tell you why this floor is the greatest floor ever. No. How are you going to use your kitchen? Tell me about how you spend your day. What's that look like? What's important to you? So now they start describing to me their needs. Mm. They they start describing to me a dream kitchen. Now I can sell you what you are telling me you want because I listened. 
So that to me is number one as a good salesperson. Well, one of my favorite quotes, I've, I've quoted this multiple times. This is not mine, but listening is an art that requires attention over talent, uh, spirit over ego, others over self. Yeah. That's so a lovely that, quote. So that makes total sense that that's at the top of your list. What what else? Okay. Um, I would say this is like now coming up in number two, like there's the, the top five are the ones that are sort of like the philosophy things. And then, then the next five are kind of more like um, more action steps. But the next one is you have to sell to the benefit versus just it's benefit selling versus descriptive selling. And we're all wired. We fall prey to it. I even do it myself, even in email copying. I'll look at it and I read it again. And I, oh my gosh, we're describing here. We're, we're, we're not selling the benefit here. We're describing what it does, how it works. Mm. And that is how people sell. Let me tell you about this vacuum cleaner, you know, and it is this and here's the belt and the whistles. And what I want you to tell me is here's how this vacuum cleaner is going to help you. It's, you know, how oftentimes your back, this is for women more than men, but like you're vacuuming, it hurts your back. It's because it's cumbersome. It's heavy. This thing only weighs blah, blah, blah. So now I'm telling them the weight of it, which is the description, but I'm leading with the benefit. I'm leading with what could be a pain point for them. Um, And so then we might get to the next benefit, but too many people, like I've watched people even in, I was in jewelry sales for a good number of years and people would go, this is a 24 inch strand of blah, blah pearls. Well, I can look at that and see that instead. I, I want you to tell me why pearls are a universal, like it goes with anything and what it represents and how beautiful it's going to be and how you can dress it up and you can dress it down. And then people are like, oh, dang, I need that set of pearls <laughs> versus um, this is a 24 inch strand of pearls, um, you know, like, and then I go, blah, blah, blah. Like it just becomes, people aren't really paying attention to you or listening. So that's, that's my next big one. Um, the other one that I have, that's more like uh, hands-on is um, you need to sell in groupings versus one-offs Two people don't do a good job of this on their own websites. It's like, Tell me what I need. You know, this goes back to the old days of like McDonald's was the first on the scene. Uh, and that's been a, it's like, we're, it's, we're talking a number of years ago. Um, they were the first on the scene that offered a value meal. Now everybody has a value meal. Everybody's got, give me a number 10, give me a number nine. And when McDonald's introduced that, initially they had a 65% increase through their drive through window. Wow. That's incredible. And people go, why? Was it because of the money they saved? No. You know how much you save on a value meal? About 50 cents. Mm. No, it's because it's easy. It's quick. And I don't have to think about it. You've put together my meal for me. I, and so people walked up to the drive through window and said, I'll take a number four. I'll take a number five. And that's how fast is that versus, um, I think I'll take a burger. Like if you just like go through that whole process. So when people go to your website and they're like, well, I like that, but I like that, but I like that. Or even a catalog, whatever you have. And, or they say, here's everything you need. 
If you are looking for this, we've put together this package for you. And the person looks at it and goes, I do need that. Those are the five items I need. Bam, they don't care about the price and they don't even really care if they it was a savings. If you can add a savings in there by buy all these single items together, they're great. Or buy this bundle, it will allow you to do this, 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 and you save $10. People are like, done, quick, easy. I don't have to think you just solved my problem right now in less than five minutes, in two minutes. And think about how people like to shop online. Some people's websites, like I go and I analyze some websites and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't find anything that goes together with anything. I got to scroll five pages to find the other thing that might go. What's an example that comes to mind that sticks out that you've seen recently? Oh, um, I think jewelry is one. People put all the necklaces together. Then they'll put all bracelets on there. Then they'll put all earrings on there. Why not put the earrings, bracelet and necklace that all match each other and put them in there as a set and Mm. bam. There you go. That makes too much sense, Belinda. <laughs> so I've helped companies create bundles within their catalogs. Like I had a company that sold like an average item of $8.99. It was a food item. And I said, to, and so their average ticket order was under $50 mm. because people might buy three items. They still have only spent $24. Like they, the, their average ticket order was like 38 bucks. Well, that's horrible as an average ticket order. So I was like, we need to get your average ticket order up because that means for everybody selling and talking to people, they're just making more money with the same amount of time they just spent on a customer. So I said, why don't we create some packages that are like $100 and $150 and then maybe even a $200 package? She said to me, no one would ever buy it. I disagree. So we're going to come up with some really fun names. And the biggest one was called the... uh, everything in my pantry. Like, okay, let's give them one of everything. Or, and then we did a different one that was a little less expensive than that. And it was like everything to make eight meals, everything I need to make a month, 30 days worth of meals. And so then people were like, oh, I'll spend a hundred bucks. She, the, the woman was amazed that people would go in and place a $200 order, but they know they've got everything for dinner, appetizers, dessert, everything I need in my pantry. This is everything I need in my pantry. Here we go. That's beautiful. That's great. Great advice. It's really fascinating what you're pointing out too, because price is not the number one thing that drives consumer decisions as you're showing. The Happy Meal could have even been the same price, if not more. And people would have still likely not have cared. It was the ease of, hey, number four with a Coke versus, hey, can I get a burger that this side of fries we want the nuggets here, right? I mean, it was the fact that, hey, ease of use, the, the ease of the transaction is really what it sounds like you're, you're pointing out is, is kind of what drives consumer decisions. It truly is. And, and now this has changed since COVID. You don't see as much of this, but let's go back to pre-COVID. And these were examples I used to give in my, in my um, sales uh, presentations. But it's like, if you all are at a big conference and we've all been there, you're at a work event, and you've got an hour for lunch, right? And you've all got to go and you got to walk, you walk in and they say, you can sit down and have a menu or here's the buffet for $12.95 or $14.95. What is the majority of the people going to do? The latter. Yeah. 
buffet. Just give us a buffet. Everybody gets to sit down. Go on up and help yourself to the buffet. Okay. We can get in and out of here in an hour. No problem. We spent $14.95. We didn't have to think about it. I could choose from a variety of things on that menu and it saved us a ton of time and we're out of here. Bam. We're back to our meeting. Great example. Perfect example. Okay. So those are some of the, the top sales strategies. Talk to us briefly too, before we get close to finishing here about your five core principles to a happier life. What are those? Ah, of all the things like that's why I would have looked them up. Let's try to think about what those are. Um, they are. So it's like who you spend your life with. So finding that significant other that is going to contribute to a huge amount of your overall happiness. Like Belinda uh, did her second time around. That's right. It was a perfect example of that. And um, <laughs> yeah, we all call them our starter marriages, right? <laughs> And if you were if you were lucky not to have to have one, then congratulations. That's funny. That's um. Funny. So anyway, there's that, and then there's what you do for work, like what finding that job that just fuels your passion, like finding what you're really passionate about in doing it. The other thing that creates general happiness is community. Who you spend time with outside of even just that significant other, and that could be you know, church, that can be a gym, that can be whatever groups that you have, but community. And it's really interesting in that show right now, super hot, the blue zones about people that live to a hundred. And it's kind of the, some of the same things. The big thing there is the community, who you do things with, who you spend time with. Um, the other one that is, con- is shown to contribute to um, overall happiness is giving back. Like, what are you doing in any kind of charity work or offering your time? And it's not even like you can give to an organization and that can make you feel really good. But it's actually been proven that the amount of happiness that you will see is actually being involved. It's more than giving the money and people think I can't give money. It's showing up and building a house with a group of people for Habitat for Humanity. It is, let me go work at this food drive right now. Let me help out at the school. Let me go do whatever. So people that do that and get a genuine like feeling, and that's in that Blue Zone show too, that it shows it. So um, those are just some of them. And I know there's five and I don't remember them right off the top sure. of my head. No, those are, those are, that's all fans, fantastic tips, advice, life tips, life hacks, all those things. Cause again, you need to have the community. You need to have the health, the mental health. You need to be surrounded by those you love. You need to have all that type of stuff in place for you to truly thrive. No matter how successful you are on paper, if you don't that- have that stuff. That's right. And I'm, I'm sure that the physical, like for that blue zone show right now, like if you look at his of what contributes to people living a longer life, but that's also what's contributes to their overall well-being, like you said, mental health and physical health. And that is, you know, people think, oh, I've got to work out or I've got to have physical activity. It's like, doesn't mean you got to go to the gym and lift weights. It doesn't mean you got to get up and do cardio every day. It means you walk. It means you go swimming. It means you get up and move. I mean, there is just so much research now being shown in just moving every day, getting up and moving. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting, if you look at people that are aging as they get older, that continue to move, they either have a purpose, like they love gardening or they love getting out and playing golf, or guess what? They most of the people do those things because they have a group of people to go do it with. 
Yes. Yes. Uh, workfromyourhappyplace.com. You guys can uh, see more about Belinda and her incredible show. Her, her podcast was picked up several years back, I believe, by iHeartRadio. So congratulations on that. I assume that that's going well. It is going well. We're like probably in the top 3% and we're still pretty really excited about that. Of course, we always want to grow. We'd love to have followers and um, people that like listen to our show. I try to be a a thoughtful um, interview, like interviewer, like yourself and, um, and, and contribute to that show in a way that is good. Um, It's beautiful. And then we've got our, our new planner just released. I would love people to go to our website and check that out. Um, we've got a whole system for that. And I think they'll be really excited to check that out. And then we have a brand new community with work from your happy place. And um, that's where they can learn from a whole community online membership, plus a subscription box. Of, that's awesome. Yeah. It's happiness awesome. delivered to your door. <laughs> yeah, and You can see all the social links there at the website, guys. Click the link. In fact, Belinda, we will uh, link directly as well in the show notes to the planner page. So awesome. if you guys want to see this amazing planner that's got video somehow embedded into it, which I'm curious to see, uh, take a look, guys. Belinda says it's the most comprehensive planner on the planet. And I do extensive research every single year. <laughs> there you go. Final question for you. Can money buy happiness? That's a big question. We just did a little series on money and people. That's one of those myths. Money can't buy you happiness. And money, it's really the opposite of that. Can the lack of money, so this is how I want people to think about it, instead of saying, well, money can't buy you happiness, because actually it really can. But it isn't that it makes you happy. It's that the lack of money causes you a tremendous amount of stress. That's how people need to start looking at it. So there's, because people, when they say, well, money can't buy you happiness, it's one of the myths of, like, oh, you can't love money. Well, you're right. And you, the more stuff you go buy doesn't mean that that's going to make you happy. But if I am not stressed and I am living a fulfilled life and I am able to do the things that I want with the people I love doing them with and I can afford to do it, then I'm going to be happier. Belinda Ellsworth, awesome <laughs> connecting with you. It was awesome connecting with you too. Thank you so much.